the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You bet it is. Welcome back as we head into Hour 2. It's a delight to bring back, well, some days are just made for Powerline and John Hinderocker, uh, sometime, um, sometimes occasional uh, guest host of this show, frequent guest and publisher and co-editor uh, at the Powerline blog, powerlineblog.com. John, good to talk to you again. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Seth. Glad to be with you. You betcha. You betcha. I was reading Powerline this morning and uh, saw your piece on what Ilan Omar uh, has done and uh, what she's doing with regard to the Minneapolis Star Tribune, your uh, your hometown newspaper. Um, it's an amazing thing when you think of the kinds of things Omar says and gets away with. Virtually no one else would get away with it. But almost every starting point, and you can comment on this or not, I'd love you to tell the story that you told in Powerline, it starts usually, and I'm just not going to uh, use euphemisms anymore, it starts usually with a hatred of Jews. She has a Jewish problem. I, I'm just not going to paper code over this anymore. But anyway, you you, you, you tell us what happened here with <laughs> Yeah, I Mars would say, Seth, that that is not her only fault. Okay. Means, all right. It's, it's, it's prominent on the list. So here's what this story is all about. Brett Stevens wrote a column that appeared in the New York Times in which he criticized Rashida Tlaib and the other members of the squad, the, the far-left element in the, in, among the Democrats in the House, for voting against and briefly holding up the, the funding of Israel's Iron Dome program, the anti-missile defense system. And, and Brett's point was that it's, since this is a completely defensive system that, that has the purpose and the effect of, 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 of saving Israeli civilians from rocket attacks by Hamas, it's very difficult to understand why these people are opposed to that funding unless they actually want Hamas to be more successful in its rocket attacks. And and so the Minneapolis Star Tribune um, republished that op-ed piece, and they they used a different headline though. The headline that they used was quote Omar comma Squad comma launch another anti-Israel strike. Right. And they also had a picture that accompanied the op-ed of Hamas rockets being launched. Sure. And so, and so that is what Omar and her Confederates uh, took off from, and and an open letter appeared, which I, 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 it seems clear that Omar was deeply involved in in bringing about, if she didn't actually write it. And, She's certainly and cheerleading she, it on Twitter. Uh, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, she endorsed yeah, it yeah, and and, yeah. and was cheerleading for it. And, and we can talk in more detail to whatever extent you want about what this so-called open letter. Says, but it's really kind of striking. I mean, her her tweet says, "We can no longer be silent. 
the <laughs> That's Tribune the first funny opinion, thing. Yeah. As, as if, yeah, right. Yeah, good right. point. As yeah. if, as if Elan has ever been silent. <laughs> right, but, right. Yeah, yeah. Hold that thought. Yeah. And then she says, the at strip opinion, that is the op-ed section yeah. of the Star Tribune, regularly uses Islamophobic phobic, and racist language in their, in their coverage of communities of color. Proud of the Minnesotans who led and signed this letter calling for systemic systematic changes to their personnel and policies. And the open letter goes on and on, race-baiting and, and accusing uh, the Star Tribune of equating Ilhan Omar and her fellow squad members with terrorists, mm-hmm. equating them mm-hmm. uh, with Hamas, mm-hmm. which is an act of, according to this open letter, uh, racism and Islamophobia. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, yes, this is this is striking, and let's dispense with the easiest part of this. We can no longer be silent. Okay, fine. That's that. If she didn't mean it as a laugh line, maybe 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 she should quit her day job. But the second part, your your hometown paper regular regularly uses Islamophobic and racist language in their coverage of communities of color. Now, I don't think Brett Stevens in his op-ed. By the way, it's important to note, which is why I said what I said up front, Brett, Brett Stevens is a member of the Jewish community. It's important to note that nothing in Brett Stevens' column said anything about people of color. I don't think. I don't think. Well, no, no, it didn't. it didn't. It didn't. Not at all. And, um, uh, no, and Nor, by and, the and way, this, do I think it mentioned Islam. Uh, no, I don't think it mentioned no, Islam. No, um, no. <laughs> and, 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 and... It's important to point out that this long open letter, which goes on and on and on about the alleged racism of the Star Tribune editorial board, uh, never does respond to the point that Brett Stevens made in his Mm op-ed, which the Star Tribune reprinted, which is, why exactly are these people opposed to Israel being able to defend against rocket attacks? You know, what's the theory? Well, they never answer that question. And instead, they just go off with this prolonged race baiting and emphasizing that the Star Tribune used this headline where they say that Omar and the squad launch another anti-Israel strike, obviously, you know, metaphorically. And there's a picture that accompanies of it, accompanies this op-ed of Hamas rockets being launched, which, of course, is what the op-ed is about. Right. You know, that's not Omar. That is Hamas actually launching physical Rockets. And it might be worth mentioning as a side note, I think Brett maybe does in his column. I've read other columns of his on this. If it wasn't this one, I'm thinking of another one. But it might be worth pointing out, too, that, yes, while the Iron Dome is an Israeli missile defense system, its its deployment has also saved many a Palestinian life, both in Israel and in Gaza, given the way those fire those rockets are fired so indiscriminately. It is it, it is an innocence protecting device, not merely one sided <laughs> protecting device. Actually, that is a great point, Steph. And and Brett did make it okay. in this op-ed okay. Okay. that Iron Dome protects Israelis, but also uh, protects uh, Palestinians because uh, if they didn't have the ability to stop these rocket attacks with Iron Dome, Israel would have no choice but to make incursions into. Uh, into Gaza. And, and, and I think Yolan Omar either doesn't know or would like people to forget that a great many Palestinians live in Israel, not just in uh, the quote-unquote disputed territories. Of course, to her, the main part of Israel is a disputed 
territory. She and her people write, let's be clear, equating Muslims with terrorism is something our Muslim brothers and sisters face on an almost daily basis and is the textbook example of Islamophobia. There's a lot in that one sentence, but again, it's not something Brett wrote. Well, no, it isn't. It's not something the Star Tribune wrote either. Right, you right, know, I mean, right. this, this, head, this headline that says, Omar, comma, squad, yeah. comma, launch another Israel strike, you know, they're, they're, not, they're, they're not saying that they, they launched rockets. They're not saying they murdered civilians. Right. They're saying it's another attack on Israel by these, these uh, Congress people who are openly anti-Israel. I don't think they would deny that. You know, they deny being anti-Semite, but they don't deny being anti-Israel. And so, and so the, the claim that, that the Star Tribune, unlike the New York Times, uh, had, had drawn an equivalence between Ilhan Omar and, and, uh, and, and terrorists is, is, just, is just wrong. There's something of a piece going on here, John. See if I can do it or you can do it better or if you agree or disagree with it. But whenever I hear Ilhan Omar give a speech, she's often talking about feeling like she's being othered. She likes to use that phrase a lot. Or that other corruption of the English language, she likes to say we're made to feel less than, we're othered and made to feel less than. And I'm, I'm thinking about this issue of othering. And it seems to me othering, as I understand it, is to make someone feel different based on some kind of characteristic like their race, skin color, perhaps religion, ethnicity, you name it. It's to make someone feel different based on a, a fundamentally immutable characteristic. There's a lot of this going on on the progressive left. So whenever, in this case, you criticize Ilan Omar for a political belief, totally irrespective of her religion or nation of birth, totally irrespective of that, she wants you to feel like you are othering her. She wants her race and national origin to be the issue, even when you're not making it the issue. I saw this with the George Floyd um, situation, even uh, even with some documents that were coming out today about the racist killing of George Floyd, the killing of George Floyd, obviously horrible. The issue of racism behind it wasn't evidenced and wasn't it really wasn't a part of the indictment. It may have been the part of what some people thought they saw or saw that they thought, but they want to make it an issue where it may not have been. Can't you criticize someone for their bad actions or their bad words and statements without making it racist? Can I can I pick up with you on that on the other well, side of this break? Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate it. Our guest is John Hinderocker from the Powerline blog, powerlineblog.com. Michael Barone used to say, you can't uh, be smart if you don't read the Powerline blog. I'll say it now if Michael, um, if Michael is... Uh, isn't saying it as much as he used to just because he isn't as active as he used to be. I'll say it. You have to read the Powerline blog every day to be informed. I'm Seth. He's John. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Speaking with John Hinderocker over at the Powerline blog, who's writing up the story today that Congresswoman Ilan Omar is claiming the Minneapolis Star Tribune is Islamophobic and racist, her words, uh, for publishing an article on the Iron Dome critical of her uh, uh, by Brett Stevens. And, John, I, I guess the point I was trying to make going to break is for someone who likes to condemn the rest of the uh, country for othering racial minorities, seems to me we've treated Ilan Omar on her merits, at least the conservative commentary at I know has treated her on what she says and what she sponsors, not what her 
race or religion is. But every time we do that, talk to her about the merits, talk about her on the merits of what she said or what she she others herself. She's the one other. She wants to make it about Islam. She wants to make it about her ethnicity and heritage. Am I wrong about this? She's your she's your congresswoman. No, no you're, you're you're not wrong, Seth. Uh, two points on this: one, no. she wields her race and religion as a sword offensively, okay, uh, to, to attack anyone who disagrees with her. She can't open her mouth without engaging in race baiting. Mm-hmm. That's just that's her mo. And the second thing is, if you look at this open letter that she sponsored and endorsed, that may have written, I don't know. One of the, I'll just quote from it briefly. She says, We do not feel yeah. it is necessary yeah. right. to explain why this represents a clear example of deeply seated racism and Islamophobia among the decision makers at the paper. Right. right. Well, there you have it. Yeah. We don't think you know, it's not necessary to explain. So it's not a question of winning the argument, it's not even a question of engaging in an argument. They never do respond. To the thrust, to the logic of Brett Stevens' op-ed, they simply go straight to race baiting and religion baiting and uh, attacking the newspaper. And one of the ironies here, Seth, of course, is that the Minneapolis Star Tribune is every bit as liberal yep. as the New York Times or yep. the Washington Post. Yep. These people have treated Ilhan Omar so kindly oh, yeah. throughout her her career in public life. If you relied on the Minneapolis Star Tribune for your news, you would probably have the impression that Ilhan Omar didn't marry her brother right. and that the suggestion that she did is some kind of a debunked right-wing conspiracy theory. I mean, they have done everything that they could to run interference for Ilhan Omar. And this is a great example of, of the fact that if liberals think that they're buying credit with radicals yeah. by, by treating them kindly, yeah. they've got another thing coming. By the way, you know what I was reminded of, John, when I saw that part of that open letter? Let me quote it again, as you just did. We do not feel it necessary to explain why this represents a clear example of deeply seated racism and Islamophobia. Let's you and I put a red flag on that or, or just put a put a tab on that. I'm noticing more and more from the progressive left this notion, we don't need to engage, we don't need to explain, we don't need to debate. There's a 13-point Black Lives Matter curriculum I've been talking about. Point 12 of the 13 is titled Unapologetically Black. May I read it to you? We are unapologetically black in our positioning and in affirming that Black Lives Matter, and we need not qualify our position. More and more there is this... This um, a priori or preemptory, I guess that's the better word, preemptory, uh, cutting off of any discussion or debate, toe the line or you're a racist. We don't feel we have to explain our position anymore. Well, I think you see that across the left on a number of issues. You see the same thing with climate change. You know, climate change is not a debate. We refuse to debate. Yep. Uh, We just dictate. Yep. And I think people tend to take that position when they're losing a lot of arguments. And I assume that's, that's fundamentally what drives it. Well, it's a driving force in some respects of the president of the National Association of School Boards and the U.S. Attorney General, isn't it? 
if you dare criticize critical race theory in a vociferous and particularly poignant matter, you know, we have we have tools at our disposal for that. They come with the initials FBI. There's a little bit of this in chilling effect going on, isn't there, John? Yeah, hey, that's how we passed the Patriot Act, Seth, remember? Well, I don't. Yeah, that was not my memory, America. John. Can you remind? That wasn't. That was not my memory of the Patriot Act. Dare I say it, I thought it was aimed at foreign Islamo-radical terrorists, dare I say. Well, well terrorists, anyway. Terrorists, I mean, as anyway, to, yes. As opposed to yes. local PTAs. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. By the way, how's Minnesota on that stuff? You guys getting a lot, Loudoun County being ground zero. Yeah. We're terrible, Seth. Yeah. I mean, my um, organization, Center of the American Experiment, has, has launched, launched some time ago, a major campaign opposing critical race theory, exposing it in the public schools, educating uh, parents and others about what it is, what it means. We have done a 22-stop tour, 22 different cities around the state of Minnesota, all over the state, putting on programs, educating people about CRT. We've gotten a ton of local and statewide and national and even international publicity uh, for this effort. And, and, you know, what we find, you know, I would say to our listeners, Seth, if you don't think that critical race theory and everything that goes with it, all that stuff, is making its way into your public schools, you are wrong. Yeah. It is, it is, it has infiltrated the public schools all across the country. And this is something that we've been blowing the whistle on, and it's something that um, parents are getting irate about. One thing we're seeing across Minnesota, but again, I think it's typical of the country, is parents go to school board meetings, and they'll typically have an open mic kind of section of the meeting where people can get up and express their opinion about something. And parents, and sometimes hundreds of people, turning out to these school board meetings and getting up to the microphone and saying, we don't like the way that some of these things are being done. Again, CRT is kind of shorthand for a number of things. And so what we're seeing a lot of the school boards doing in response is eliminating any public comment period in the school board meetings. And we see the National School Board Association uh, writing to Joe Biden and, and asking him to bring down the weight of the federal government on people who on parents who are complaining and Joe Biden immediately, like the next day, writing a memo to the FBI telling them to collaborate with local law enforcement, with the Indian tribes and so on, in stamping out this domestic terrorism. You know, one of these things, John, i gotta, I got to wrap it up here in about 30 or 40 seconds, but i just got to get this out as I'm thinking about you and what you just said. You know, one of these things we're told is this critical race theory. Now, that's just a law school thing. See, what the problem is, is a lot of us went to those law schools. You went to Harvard where Derek Bell was. I don't know if Derek Bell was there at the time, but I took classes. Oh, I knew him, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I took he's classes from Derek Bell. Yeah, yeah, the problem is we who heard from Derek Bell, as I learned from Derek Bell, we, re- we know we know it when we see it, and it's now in the schools. We, we, we do been, know what we're been, seeing. We know what we're talking about. Yeah. endorsed by yeah. the National Education right. Association right. at their most recent annual meeting. That's it is right. right there in black and white. John Hinderocker, you're a blessing and a gift and a friend. Thank you for everything. Thank you, Seth. Bye-bye. T- talk to you soon. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. 
There are uh, immigrants to America, and there are immigrants to America. There are Somali immigrants to America, and there are Somali immigrants to America. There is uh, there is Hersey Ali, uh, who I think stands as a far better counterpoise to Ilan Omar, but doesn't make half the news, Ilan Omar said. They both come from Somalia. One loves this country. One says she wants to dismantle it. As uh, Ayan Hersey Ali says, I don't know why anyone whose family fled Mogadishu would want to turn Minnesota into Mogadishu. But I show you the times. Steve is in Tempe. Hello, Steve. Hello, Seth. How are you? Great, great. I always like hearing hearing John when it, when he comes on. I always forget the the blog that he's on, but I remember now the Powerline blog that he's um, – He's a great guest. Oh, thank you. I like him a lot. I've known him since 2002. Almost. Yeah, yeah a long time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, he has he has great information, and I'm going to – I wrote the name of the blog down. So Powerline blog, yeah. To, mm-hmm. Yeah, tune into that on a regular basis. But interesting that, you know, he's – talking about Omar and Tlaib and the fact that they these these two women are constantly talking about Islamophobia and everything. Well, the fact of the matter is when you're talking about the terrorist acts that take place and the, and the terrorism that, take, that takes place on a daily basis against the nation of Israel, the fact of the matter is people that are doing it are Islamic. They're Islam. They, they worship Islam. I mean, that's what their religion is. By the and, way, for those that don't know, yeah. Hamas is the Muslim Brotherhood affiliate of Gaza, just just so people understand that. Hamas is the Muslim Brotherhood in Gaza. That, that, yeah. that they are both, the official representative of the Muslim Brotherhood in Gaza. That is Hamas. Yeah, both Hamas, Hezbollah. It's in the first word. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And... I, I called you a couple weeks ago in regards to the fact that a lot of people are just trying to get their head around the fact that that we left all of those weapons in Afghanistan for for the Taliban, another terrorist organization, Islamic terrorist organization, to use. And I made the point that I you know I was thinking about that and I thought you know this. This is all, you know, has the fingerprints of Barack Obama and his administration on it. And I'm quite sure that there was no accident that those weapons were left there. And that's the reason why, because I think he's got a lot of influence with Biden from behind the scenes through Susan Rice and uh, other people that are in Biden's administration currently. And oddly enough, when you when you talk about. And then, and then switching to the immigration issue right now, the problems that we're having at the border and everything. When you when you look at how you know, you, the other question is how do, how do people like Omar and Talib get elected? Well, the fact of the matter is, they get elected because of just what you were saying about Somalia, the, the refugees that were that were settled in the U.S. in her district. Oh, yeah, Minnesota. Yeah, no, Minnesota may have the highest uh, per per population uh, community from uh, Somalia in the country. It may very well. Yeah. Yeah. And Seth, that's how people like the two of them 
Yeah. That's how people like the two of them get elected because of of um, what what the Biden administration is doing right now. They're transporting all of these, you know, Haitian refugees and bully. And by the way, the Haitians that are coming in every every on every count that I've heard about when they've been asked about what they think about our country and the leadership, these people flat out worship Joe Biden. The Haitian. Well, they wore T-shirts. So you can imagine with what, his name on it. I'm sorry. They wore T-shirts with his name on it. Oh yeah, but the, but you can imagine what's going to happen if they ever get voting rights and what you know that that they will you know they're going to you know they they're going to follow his ideology to a core and to the core and and that's what's happened in those districts that Omar and Talib. Uh, have been elected. In your your point, if I'm election. reading you right, your point is, I got to take a break. You're welcome to stay. But if I read you right, your point is be prepared for more Ilan Omar's and Rashida Tlaib's. If I read you right, that's what you're saying, given uh, the lack of immigration policy and enforcement. Uh, feel free if you want to comment further on that, Steve. I'll also invite others. 602-508-0960. And we've got a lot more, too. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960. Bill, when you nod at me, question for you, when you nod at me at the opening of a segment with the music, are you nodding to tell me to kind of, let's get going? Oh. <laughs> oh, okay, I can't tell if it's a because you have such disdain for some of my music. I just wasn't sure. <laughs> okay, if you were trying to say, let's go, Seth. Okay, <laughs> remind me on uh, let's go, Seth, in a minute. Uh, Steve, I uh, wanted to give you the last word if you hadn't, uh, yeah, if you hadn't finished your yeah. point. Go ahead. Yeah. No, and by the way, Seth, I like the band uh, Asia too. Yeah. So you're. <laughs> all right. I'm, I'm all in on that one too. Well, I'd rather listen um, to Asia than me or you, honestly. No, no, no disrespect, <laughs> but I don't. Uh, nope, you know, none, I, none the AM rock none ended taken. circa 1983 or something. So. <laughs> not taken. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, Seth, I think you know me well enough by now, Seth. You know, I'm not conspiratorial no. but i mean you look at all the things that are going on and the influence that is happening in certain areas you know and i i really think that obama and people in his previous administration are doing a lot of things behind the scenes that are influencing what's going on right now and and you look at you look at who he, he was trying to appoint on the Supreme Court, Merrick Garland, yeah. and he was being uh, marketed as a as a moderate. Yeah, the most moderate and, Republicans could hope for. Republicans better do this. Oh, You're yeah. never going to do any better. Remember that? You're never going to get a better Democrat exactly. than I remember that very well. I do, too. And he's turned out to be anything but that. And as it relates to the, the issue that we're getting right now with the uh, CRT in the schools and and him coming out trying to potentially step step on parents that are trying to go to school board meetings and and have critical race theory be be taken out of the school curriculum and and then being treated as as potential terrorists yeah i mean that's unbelievable yeah and and i'm and seth it's just you know you just kind of wonder all this stuff is coming at us so fast and it's like i think the reason that that 
most of us just um, are having a hard time processing all this. Is it's like um, these, uh, the people on the left see an open door and they are throwing everything. Oh, you're totally it, right, right, Steve. It's 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 the element of the crisis industrial complex where. <clears throat> The progressives are like uh, great white sharks. I said this last week when I was doing the news of Newsom signing a law that department stores could no longer use blues and pinks in California uh, to, denote, to denote, you know, uh, what, what, what does blue and pink denote? Uh, generally a girl color, generally a boy color. Well, they banned it. And I was making the point, you know, um, a lot of us, I, at least me, I was thinking, well, you know, wh- where did blue and pink come from? What's the origins of This is what the progressives do. They don't ask why. They don't ask should. They don't ask can we. They don't ask is it constitutional, is it commonsensical, is it rational. They just do. They just do. They are great white sharks, like, uh, like, like uh, Richard Dreyfus said, that all they do is swim and eat and make baby sharks. And while they're doing that eating and making of baby sharks, we're still trying to deal with the last thing they did and comprehend it. And while we're trying to comprehend and understand and deal with it, they're on to the next thing. They are on to the next thing, leaving us to continue the metaphor in the wake that they left us five minutes ago. It's a never-ending loop of a continuous presence. That's how... uh, that's how uh, that's how George Orwell defined it, a never ending loop of the continuous presence where the party is always right. And it doesn't matter what happened a minute ago, five minutes ago, 10 years ago or in 1776. It is what they say it is. And they will just move on transforming society all along the way, knowing the proposition is that the t- five to 10 conservative legal organizations and, you know, the. Ten most prominent, I don't know, talk show hosts or whatever, you know, they will they will do what they can. But we're on to five new things by the time they've gotten their voice on the last thing. You're right. This is the crisis industrial complex, a loop of a never ending present. Well said, uh, Steve. Jeff is in Phoenix. Hi, Jeff. Hey, Seth. How's it going? Well, how are you? I'm good. Good. Hey, uh, just wanted to, uh, you know, I was sitting there listening to Andy Biggs, and it's very disturbing to me as a person out here who is not in the political arena, who is not in the political field, who is just a working person who pays their taxes and votes to hire people to go to Washington or the state capitals in my state or wherever it is and work for the people that are paying their bills. And it's it's very disturbing to hear one of the, that they're sitting there questioning the one of the top law enforcement officials in our country, and there are no standards anymore. There's no accountability, and there's no consequence. I mean, what is the standard for these people to open an investigation on someone? I mean, you, you just you, you so you, you usually usually probable cause usually right there yeah, was no so, exactly so. But what's the consequence of no probable cause? He doesn't give a crap. Right. 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 No, they don't. They don't care. That's what I'm saying. They don't ask can. They don't ask should. Uh, It reminds me of another movie, Jurassic Park, Jeff Goldblum's character, right? You never never asked the question should. All you asked was the question how. How can we? You never asked, should we? 
And they don't because they don't care. You know why they don't care? Because the Constitution doesn't mean anything to them. The Declaration doesn't mean anything to them. And you know why it doesn't? We have been taught that it doesn't. Woodrow Wilson said it doesn't. Woodrow Wilson, the first progressive, probably the most impressive uh, and, and most well-known and well-respected pro- progressive intellect, but first, certainly the, the first progressive president in the United States, he said it. He said it. It is up to each generation to define what the founders meant and said about the era they were speaking in, and they were only speaking for their own era. That was not our understanding. That was not our understanding. Our understanding was if you have a natural law complete with natural rights, that that's kind of a settled thing. That kind of doesn't change any more than the laws of gravity, which are also part of the natural law. Those things are permanent, or as Calvin Coolidge said, final. They are final. Not that the progressive left they aren't. No, it is up to each generation to define the Constitution and the founding's meaning for themselves. That's why they don't ask if, or can, or should. All they ask, all they ask, is how and how fast. It's their only question. It's their only. It's their only governing principle. It's about speed, and it's about appetite. That's it. It's a dangerous thing to be in the presence of. But your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. Dolly Parton doing a little Ario Speedwagon. Robin, surprise! Hi, Rob. Hi, Seth. Happy Hi. Thursday. You too. I, uh, I'm kind of kind of backtracking a couple of days ago sure. when you were talking about uh well neil sadaka and by the way great writer great singer great songwriter um you have played something i think it love was will keep captain us together by captain and Neil. well it was that yeah but you were right i mean it was written by neil and then to neil in one of the uh vocal backtracks she actually said saying Sadaka is back. Yes, that's right. And I yeah, thought, right. you know, that was around 75, 76, yeah, yeah, somewhere yeah, around yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what's, what's interesting, well, of course, Neil Sadaka is a very interesting guy. He's still alive and he's still giving shows. Um, the captain, who, uh, uh, Daryl Dragon, I think was his real name, um, he passed away a couple of years ago, but he uh, passed away, I guess he was living up in Prescott. Yeah, they both Arizona. were. Yep. Yeah, and and uh, Tony was by his side. Piano player for the Beach Boys, originally, yeah. He was, and that's where he got the captain. I I guess the Beach Boys got him uh, the name, the captain of keyboards or something. Um, I just thought that was very cool. And again, Neil, um, he had a lot of great songs. One of my favorites, well, there's a couple. One is uh, Bad Love, and uh, an unnamed guy named Elton John actually sang along with him, That's right. Neil, That's right. uh, in that song, uh, without taking credit for it. And then, of course, um, Breaking Up is Hard to Do, yep. where he, he did uh, the earlier version in the early 60s, and then in the 70s he kind of slowed it down to a ballad, which it was beautiful. Yeah, yeah, you know? tremendous and he talent. Had written for, yeah. Oh, yeah, he, he had written for so many people. He even dated Carol King for a while. Yeah, he wrote a song about her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Carol. Yeah, it was. and she wrote a song in yeah. response. 
<laughs> Go check it uh, out. Go check it out. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I just think uh, Neil Sedaka is one of the greatest talents, you bet. That, um, musical talents that America's ever. That's why um, we play him here. Produced. That's why we. Play well, him. and you should play. You should play him more. I should. I think. Except that's what makes yes. the vein in the forehead not of my manager Jim, but my producer Bill <laughs> throb. Well, Bill. Bill can. You know, Bill's trainable. Okay? <laughs> He's he trainable. Yes. He can, he can learn to appreciate. Yes, music he can. Like that. Yes, he can. Now, one thing, one thing I wanted to talk about, but I'm hearing music coming on is, you know, you mentioned a couple of days ago about the 1856 Republican yeah. Party platform. Yeah. And I know that each state and at the federal level, every national convention, the Republicans as well as the Democrats have a party platform. Yep. And I had, uh, and it's very confusing because each state. And each time, and in 2016, that was the last Republican Party platform because in 2020, obviously, we had the COVID thing, and they never wrote one, so they just kept the 2016 Republican Party platform. But I think they they make it harder than they need to. They probably do. They probably do. I'm going to need you to call back, buddy. Uh, we hit the post. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 